On mountains right now, mountains are still being moved, and those strongholds, strongholds are still being loose. Cause God, God, we believe. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here. Right now, miracles happen 
start to happen in our lives and so today I pray for your sons and your daughters that are in the house today those that are joining us online Lord I pray in the mighty name of Jesus they need a move come on come on if you're in this place and you you're joining with us this evening you say, Lord, I need a move. I just need a move of your spirit. I, I need a fresh outpouring. I need a fresh anointing. I need, oh God, you to just begin to minister to me in a unique way, in a special way. I just want to experience your power. I want to experience your presence. I want to experience your presence, your, your move in my life. The Bible says if you ask, you shall receive. And today, this is what we are asking God. That you are commanding your angels. You are, your God, are dispatching ministering angels. That is ministering peace. That is ministering love. That is ministering God. That is ministering grace over the lives of your people. we thank you oh God for the breath of God and like oh God 
your servant of God Ezekiel you said to him prophesy prophesy to the four winds to the east to the west to the north to the south so that the breath may enter father we pray today this breathe over your sons and daughters just a fresh breath of god that very ruach of god that very breath of god that when it entered the nostrils of adam adam became a living being Holy Spirit that flooded the upper room chapter 9 verses 11 says but Christ being come and high high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle not made of hands that is to say not this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us all for if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes and heifers and sprinkling of unclean and sanctified to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Christ has become our high priest. And it goes on to say, and by this there is a greater and a more perfect way. Amen. So Father, I pray over your sons and over your daughters we stand in the finish work on the cross 
And so today we stand, O God, complete. We, we stand sanctified, washed, purified. We stand, O God, understanding that you, O God, have paid the price once and for all. And so today I pray a blessing over your sons and daughters. As we worship, as we get around your word, speak to us, Lord. Just minister to us. Our spirits and our hearts are open to receive from you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. We just worship you, Lord. It's your glory all over this place right now.
everything else matters, oh God. But just exalting you on high, Father God. Yes, the name above all names, oh God. Ah uh -huh. 
spirit of healing. Yes, Lord. Anointing to heal. An anointing to set free. An anointing to deliver. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 An anointing to deliver. An anointing to set free. An anointing of God to propel your people forward. In the name of Jesus. Bless your name. Thank you for an open heaven over this house. And over the lives of your people. We acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. God the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. So I pray right now, Father, that you would minister to the lives of your people. Speak, Lord, to us. Even as we get into your word, we believe the entrance of your word brings light and life. Speak to us again tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks to worship team. Amen, amen. The Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we, we, we thank God for this week. And this week is often in the Christian Circles is known as the week of the passion, and um, and so we, we thank God for his grace upon us. Amen. Our theme for this Easter is being there is power in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so tonight I want to just start to lay a foundation for what I want to cover on, Sunday, on, on Friday and Sunday. I'm speaking on the power of the blood. Amen. And... Um, you know, one of the things that we know about when we were younger, some a lot of the older songs were was it'll be like there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of Jesus. And then there is a part in the song that says, I'm gonna hide right under the blood. Amen. I'm gonna hide right under the blood, and the devil can do me no harm. Amen. And you know, there's something powerful about songs of declaration. You know, sometimes we need to understand that, and uh, we need to understand that there is power through the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus, uh, in, in celebrating what was traditionally known as the Passover, uses the table, which, would call, which will be known as the Last Supper that he would have with his disciples, will be a platform for where he will announce the next phase of how Passover will be celebrated. Now, and, and often the, he was trying to make a distinction and he speaks of a new covenant. And he speaks of a new covenant or a new testament in my blood. Amen. And he speaks about it understanding that in the Passover, 
there were certain rituals that reminded the children of Israel of the time they were delivered from Egypt and how God will tell them to take a lamb for a household and they will, they will sacrifice it, take the blood, sprinkle it on the doorposts and on the lentils. And so if they, when the angel of death will pass, it will see the blood and pass over. But in it, it was a set meal that had to be prepared. And, and the lamb that was, they said, take a lamb for a household. That means your, your entire family would have it. And if, you, if, there was more, uh, if there was less people, you could join in with somebody else. But they, whatever was there had to be eaten that time. And there was a set, set breads that was prepared and there was a set meal. And, but Jesus, in him speaking to the disciples, said to them, I want to partake of this Passover meal with you. But in me partaking of this Passover meal with you, I want to partake of it anew. That means he was saying, I'm setting a new platform. You know, often when we, when we, when we, when we come in and when we talk about Passover, a lot of people's minds used to go to Egypt and coming back. Jesus was reconfiguring them and he's saying to them, this is when you partake of the table of the Lord, this becomes your new Passover. This becomes your new celebration. And the celebration, he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood that is shared for you. And it's an important part for us to understand that we don't only remember God's deliverance of us from bondage, but we understand the victory that we have and the access we have through the finished work on the cross. Amen. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 18. Oh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 18. If you're looking for 18, chapter 18, there's no chapter 18. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says, for as much as you know that we were not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversations received by tradition of our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. You hear me? With the precious blood of Christ as of the lamb without spot, without blemish, and without spot. Amen? This is a very, very important part. And it says, verse 20, it says, For who, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you. Amen? So he says, it has been foreordained, Jesus going into the cross. It wasn't an accidental plan. It wasn't a temporary solution. It wasn't plan B. Amen? Jesus dying on the cross is not God's plan B for mankind. It was God, God says he had foreordained it. Now, we read in, in Hebrews chapter 9, and, 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 and the various verses of Hebrews chapter 9 speaks about us understanding that Jesus became that new covenant 
that new testimony and he says he became something better than the old covenant and better than the old tabernacle and the reference of the old tabernacle and the old building was that the, the fact is that in the old building there was the outer court there was the holies of holies and the and the most holy place and in this the access was only limited to a few people but Jesus says he became, he sets in place a new order. And the veil, the veil between the holy place and the most holy place is now separated. There is no, sorry, there's no separation has been lifted. And there is no separation between the holy place and the most holy place. And so the understanding is that there is something more that God has in store for us. And in us understanding this, there is a breakthrough that will come into our lives when we understand that when Jesus came, he separated, he, he came to remove that separation. And the Bible says that veil was a veil of flesh. If you understand it from, from, from the book of Genesis, when in, in Genesis, when Adam sinned, the, the Bible says, and his eyes became veiled. That means he wasn't able to see in the dimension of the spirit like he once experienced because flesh took over. And this is the constant challenge that we all have. Until we come to a saving grace of Jesus Christ, and we come to receive salvation, which is as a result of Jesus paying the price on the cross, the veil, the flesh element is lifted and we can begin to see in the spirit realm and we can engage in the spirit realm because the veil is lifted. So when the veil is torn in the temple as Jesus is crucified, on the cross it was symbolizing that the spiritual eyes of man becomes open and they can begin to engage directly with God and they do not need an intermediary but Jesus Christ becomes our mediator not a man not any individual and 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 this is something that is very very important for us because we need to understand that the, 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 that pastoral leadership and the gift, the, the, the graces or the ministry gifts that Jesus Christ gave wasn't to replace the priesthood. So we do not operate like the priests. But we come in understanding that the role is to equip the role of the priesthood was never to equip. The role of the priesthood was to keep mankind dependent on them. The role of the fivefold ministry gifts is to point you to Christ, is to equip you to do the work, for you to now function as a priest unto the Lord. So, so we understand when we talk about there is power in the blood of Jesus, the relationship dynamic shifts. It shifts the accountability from one person 
going and making atonement on behalf of everybody to the fact of where you come and you present your body a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy, acceptable, pleasing, which is your reasonable service. You've got to come to the place where you are now presenting yourself before the Lord. So this is an important shift. So when we talk about the power in the blood, we're understanding there's a shift in the relationship dynamic. No longer do we come as servants, but we come as sons. For those that are called, those that are led by the Spirit, they are called sons of God. Amen? So you're coming into a relationship with the Father not out of a place of begging, not out of the place where somebody else has to do it. All you had to do was bring, uh, bring the goat, bring the calf, bring it, and present it at the outer court. In the Old Testament, that was the picture. They presented it, the priest received it, the priest sacrificed it, took the blood, and presented it. Right? But the onus was the priest had to check the offering. And if the priest presented something that was with, with spot and with blemish, they paid the price. But the person presenting the sacrifice was safe. Isn't that was a strange thing? The priest paid by debt. You know, when the priest had to go and present it, what they used to do, they used to put pomegranates on the edges of the priest's garment, and they used to put a rope on his leg. So when he goes into the holies of holies, and if there is no smoke and there's no fire, and there's no priest moving, they pull him out. Hey. Just be careful no one got a rope on you. Right? But the reality is it, it, it was him presenting, but now through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we have the ability to enter in. Now, Proverbs, oh, sorry, there are, uh, there are five, uh, four things that happens as a result of Jesus paying the price on the cross. There are some words that we use in the church and in the theological terms where they talk about propitiation. Now, basically, it's, not, it's a big word, but this is what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, 25. Jesus is saying, God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That means, by propitiation, it basically means the sins of people had to be removed. And God presented himself, himself his own son, on our behalf. So what it meant is that he took our place. Perpetuation means that he replaced us by dying on the cross. Right? So, so we understand that God removes our sins by taking our place and paying a price. So the old preacher used to say he paid a debt he did not owe. Amen? He died for our sins. So that's basically what it meant. It meant he became sin 
so that we can become the righteousness of God. That is what propitiation means, that Jesus Christ did it so that you can be delivered and you can be set free. But not only did he pay the price and took your place, but he also, we have received justification. So the Bible says we have been justified through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Romans chapter 5 verses 9, and as they, they throw it up. Now justification is a language, or being justified is a courtroom language. It's a courtroom language, you know, in the courtroom you've got the, the, the prosecution and you've got the defense and they both are presenting their cases before the court, before the court or before the judge. So, so Romans 5.9 says, much more, being now justified by his blood, we have been saved from the wrath through him. That means we've been saved from destruction, eternal destruction by the blood and by the finished work of Jesus. So when we know, when we go to a court, the, the prosecution and the defense both make their cases before the judge, and, and in our South African system, the judge operates in the point of him making a decision. And he will make a decision either to say guilty or not guilty. If we use the Christian language, condemned or righteous, right? And the, and the reason the, the, when he makes this, this statement, it's basically when we say the word we have been justified, it means that the court has says you have been deemed right, not guilty. By the finished work of Jesus Christ, you have been deemed not guilty. We all know we've messed up. We all know that we've sometimes failed. We've sinned. We've walked away from the plan of God. But the Bible says we have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That means, it has been, the, uh, it has, the scripture says, just as if we've never sinned, just as if we've never lied, just as if we've never done any wrong, it become justified through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Without his blood, our unrighteousness will remain unrest unaddressed by the Lord and we would will stand before the Lord but today because of the finished work when we stand before the the throne of God the judgment throne of God and we're all gonna stand and the Bible says every one of us will give an account and when we stand there we will be deemed righteous he says enter in my good and faithful servant why we stand justified that means made right amen you know, then the next uh, term that we use is redemption redemption basically speaks about in ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 redemption speaks about redeemed means we bought back to secure one's freedom or someone from bondage because of our sins we were in spiritual captivity. But God had to send his son to die and to pay the price, pay the ransom, buy us back. Amen? That, 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 that means the Bible says that which has been lost through the first Adam in the garden has been restored through the last Adam 
who is Christ Jesus. Amen. So, Roman, uh, so, so Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Amen. So we understand this is not stuff we've done. This is what God has done on our behalf. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it says, Whilst we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. So all of us here are bought with a price. All of us have been redeemed from sin. That means Jesus did it so that we do not have to live in sin. And having our sins forgot, uh, for, for our, uh, our sins and our trespasses forgiven, he also canceled the record. Of, uh, and so therefore, if you put a legal term, there is no legal demand on you. That's why he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed all of our sins and transgressions from us. He remembers it no more. Amen? So we need to understand the decisive weapon that the enemy uses against us is unforgiveness. The decisive weapon that the enemy uses against us is condemnation. But today, if you have been bought with a price, the enemy has no hold over you. He cannot remind you of the sins that you did. So you do not have to live in condemnation. One of the things that I find in the church of Jesus Christ is many people live either in condemnation or in unforgiveness. And it's not because other people haven't forgiven them. It's because they haven't forgiven themselves. Sometimes we condemn ourselves. That means we judge ourselves. We hold ourselves in a very low esteem. And this is the challenge of the, greatest, of the greater body of Christ, is that people continuously keep judging themselves and are unable to receive the redemptive plan of God, the reward of redemption. Because they enslave themselves. Many of us are enslaved by our own thoughts. How many of us know that that's the biggest challenge? How many of us know that as you're trying to grow spiritually, the enemy will throw in your face and even bring to your remembrance the mistakes you've made? The things when you got it wrong. Amen? So today, understand that your freedom has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. The last thing that happens because of Jesus dying on the cross is you have forgiveness. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm forgiven. It's harder because some of them you went going home with. Amen. And some of them are holding stuff against you, but today you say, I'm forgiven. Amen. Amen. That means... There's a restoration of your relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 13. One of the most precious lessons in scripture is the lessons of forgiveness. That means at the heart of everything else, God wanted to restore mankind back to him. The word of God 
The word of God, the key message in the word of God is God's redemptive plan for mankind. The whole theme that runs throughout the scriptures is that God wanted to reconcile man back to him, redeem man back to him. He paid the price. You understand something is that people do not take, you know, kidnapping victims that are often kidnapped. They are very, kidnappers are very strategic. They only kidnap people that ha have value. And they know somebody will pay ransom for them. Is it? So you need to understand if the enemy is attacking you. Why would the enemy attack you? Because you got value. You're worth something. And he knows that somebody will pay ransom for you. To get you back because you're valuable to somebody. That means you are valuable to the kingdom of God. Therefore the enemy wants to take you out. So therefore the, the Lord is saying that's why this is my plan for you. While you were yet sinners. I died for you. While you were yet in your sin. I forgave you. I redeemed you. I paid the price for you. That means he's saying, I've ransomed you, and you stand in that forgiveness. Amen? So Ephesians 2.13 says, but now, in, but now in Christ Jesus, you are sometimes where afar off, but now you have made, been made nigh or made close by the blood of Christ. Now look at it when you, when you keep looking at the scriptures. It doesn't make mention of Jesus Christ. It always says you have been made close by Christ. Or Christ Jesus. It speaks about, remember, you have Jesus Christ. You have Christ Jesus. And you have the Christ. Very important distinctions. Jesus Christ, historical. One who came to the earth, walked upon the face of the earth. Christ Jesus, post-resurrection. A lot of references to Christ Jesus. And then, later on, the ascended Christ, they will refer to as the Christ. Colossians says, in Christ does the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. That means the, the manifestation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit finds its evidence in Christ. And the Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, that means the ascended one, he paid the price. Now, sometimes we were afar off, but we have been made close by the blood of Christ. That means we partakers of the fullness of the Godhead. You understand how powerful that is? That God didn't just want to create mankind for fellowship. To only to lose mankind. He created mankind and he was prepared to fight for it. 
to maintain the relationship. You show the evidence of, or you model Christ when you understand that everything he's entrusted to you, you fight for. You maintain relationship. But he says this, he does this through forgiveness. Amen? God wants to bring us closer to him. Our sin and our rebellion distances us from God. The, uh, so the old covenant, there was the blood of animals that were paid to redeem man's connection to God. But it was a year-on-year -year relationship. But God sends Jesus Christ the Bible says in Hebrews, once and for all, paid the price. Amen? And he brings us. And there is, there is the, 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 Bible, the Bible goes on to say, say, say to us that the, the power in the blood of Jesus sanctifies and sets us free. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Talia, would you just throw that up for me? 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 18. All of this, God finally brings man into relationship with him. For Christ, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also had once suffered for sins, the, the just for the unjust, and that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So I, I want you to understand today, we stand forgiven. We stand washed in the blood of Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, let us hide right under the blood. Let us stay. Let us recognize that his blood. I think it was Ray Baltz that sang a song many years ago that says, this blood is for you. Was it Common or Ray Balls? I think Common, Common sang that song, This Blood is for You. Ray Balls also did a few songs about the blood of Jesus. But I want you to understand this. This is a very, very key part. God has restored you back to him. He had taken your place. He had justified you. He sanctifies you. He redeems. Sanctification is basically he makes you holy. Redemption is he pays the price. But all that you can have a relationship with him. I want you to know as we go into this Easter celebration, we don't do it as a traditional belief. But we understand the victorious element in Jesus dying and being risen again. And the testimony that it means because he lives, I can face my tomorrows. Amen. Let's just bow our heads to, together. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We understand the scripture that says, because you live, we can face tomorrow. And so we understand that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf. You are the great high priest that has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So thank you for paying the price. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for washing us in your blood. Thank you 
for the blood of Jesus that never ever loses its power. It never loses its power. And for everyone that is going through some challenge in their life today, we understand that we are victorious. And the scripture says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Thank you that we stand complete in you. And every deficiency, every weakness, every thing that is in our lives that's not of you, Lord, you take it away. Father, just minister to your sons and daughters today. Even as we prepare to go into this weekend, as we celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, we do not do it as those that mourn. We do not do it as those that are traditional, but we do it understanding that we have victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Amen.